Giordano! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Eward is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Salk. Hello! Let's go, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app, plus those podcast platforms. Hello, I can talk today. Good morning. Hi, everybody. It's nice to be back in studio. I hate Mondays. I miss you guys on Mondays. I mean, it's it's great. You know it's not Monday, right? No, I do. I hate Mondays, but I realize it on Tuesday when I come in here. You said it made it sound like you're reading off one of those cat posters. I hate Mondays. Mondays. But I hate it for a different reason. Like, it's not just going back to work. I mean, whatever. That's fine. But I go down to Seahawks, uh, you know, Virginia Mason Athletic Center, which is great. You know, I'm there to interview Pete and stuff, which is fine. But I'm lonely. I just, I don't know. I, I like the camaraderie of being here together and hanging out. And I just feel kind of lonely when I'm, I'm sure there. I'm not the only one who's wondered this. But when you're at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center, you get there at, what, five? Yeah. Five, five, ten? Yeah. Is there really somebody there working 24-7 to let you in? Oh, yeah. They got security there. I know there's security. Oh, they got security. Of course there's security. They got, like, lockdown security. there's not somebody security. behind a desk at 5 a.m. No, waiting for you? No, there's no one behind the desk. Okay. No. That's, that doesn't that, happen. Like, they work more traditional hours, yeah, at, yeah, behind the desk. But they got security. You well, can buzz you in. Security. And they question. trust me to walk into the facility. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Is <laughs> yeah. Do you recognize this bearded man well, approaching got, the facility? They probably got players arriving shortly mm-hmm. around after that time. Maybe. But they use a First separate entrance, in. right? Yeah. I mean, they use the back entrance where the players go. I come into the front, and uh, so you first got to get through the gate, right? And so be thing, yeah, right. Charlie Brown's teacher, right? And, you're, and then the gate comes open. And I probably shouldn't tell anybody this because now somebody else is going to show up and do that. You know what? Pre- I really shouldn't say all yeah, but that. But now they, yeah, if they have you on camera, they know who you are. Like there is a camera. Yes, but things. still, don't go down there and don't try to break in. It's not a good scene. All right, coming up uh, today, we will have Jeff Passon on the show and learned that um, it's going to be kind of a fun week in terms of some extra guests. Tim Kirchin. Is going right. to join our show what, tomorrow at 7.30, talk a little baseball with us. And then Thursday, uh, Ian Eagle is going to make his debut appearance on this show. I'm told that Ian is like the world's greatest guest, that he's very funny, just an all-around awesome dude. And, was that uh, who was doing the Taylor Swift references this week? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, so I, text, yes. I texted with him a little bit yesterday, and uh, my impression already is really, really good. He did uh, sort of call himself out as a Swifty, so pretty, uh, pretty excited. <laughs> We had some Taylor Swift back and forth yesterday. You know, Justin, I was thinking about you last night after your email and kind of watching the games, et cetera. And it reminded me that just last week, just last week, we ranked Faith. Yes. Faith's ranked. Yes. Faith Hill. Faith, Faith Evans. Evans, right? Yeah, went we all don't the way need through. a we just went all the way to Faith, Hope, Faith, Love, Faith, right? We went through all of the great Faiths ranked. But faith is important in sports, at least as a fan. And sometimes you need to have it. Sometimes you need to see it to be reminded of it. And I think that's true of the Mar- <clears throat> excuse me, that's true of the Mariners after an ugly sweep to the Dodgers, right? You know that they've done a lot of good things this year. Right. But you kind of forget. And it's easy to fall back down into that hole of thinking they're not a good team and they're blah, 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 right? They should have done this. All all the conversations we were having in, you know, May and June. You got to see it. Yeah. 
because just having faith that it's going to turn around gets hard when you're watching the opposite. Even though you know they've got good players on their team who aren't going to struggle forever, you really have to see it. So, yeah, it's just a 5 nothing win over the A's, a team that is going to end up losing 130 games this year. Not quite, but you don't get my yeah, point. Yeah, 110 anyway. But you need to see it. You need to see a couple of those hits. You need to see Brian Wu go five scoreless innings again. You need to see the bullpen come in and handle four. Like It's important to actually see those things with your eyes. I get it. And similarly, watching Geno Smith after the ugly debut, important. That debut raised some questions again about Geno Smith. Do you have some level of faith after what we saw last year? Yeah, of course you do. Is it 100% there? Guy had a career that didn't go the way he wanted, had one really good season that some folks have broken into two halves, one of which didn't look nearly as good as the other, and he comes out and lays an egg in week one? That's a concern. Mm-hmm. You need to to see it with your own eyes to believe it again. And credit to Gino, he was huge. He was great on Sunday, just to come back to that. Gino was awesome. He played, I think, one of his best games he's played as a Seahawk. Yeah. I thought he was lights out. And Moore and I talked about this yesterday. A couple throwaways, you take some of those away, and his completion percentage is up to like 85. Isn't that incredible? Right? And the throwaways are good plays, yeah. right? That's actually what you exactly. want him to do there. And again, other than the horrific sack, he, he did everything right in that game, including bouncing back from every difficult moment. His QBR, whatever it is, probably takes a hit for that stupid grounding call, which is one of the worst calls I've ever seen in the NFL. So good on Gino. Good for him for coming back. And look, Gino's a major storyline this year, right? Gino's somebody that we're going to be watching this year because is he the future? They didn't pay him like he is. They paid him like a guy they like, not a guy they love. And, you know, where what they do next in a loaded quarterback tra- uh, draft class it's, is, is somewhat dependent on what Geno does this year. So after week one, you might have been looking at going kind of like to maybe see who some of these college kids are. Sure, after week sure. two, things look a little bit differently. Right. And maybe it looks even more so after watching Josh Fields. Yikes. After watching. Deshaun Watson, double yikes. After watching CJ Stroud, kind of yikes. And and they're not the they're not the only ones. Now I've been trying to figure out who Josh Fields is. You mean Justin? Uh yes, sorry, Justin Fields. <laughs> oh, you got me on that too. I sorry. Josh no Josh Fields is yeah. a ex Mariner reliever yep. and ex White Sox third baseman. Two different Josh Fields. Justin Fields. Thanks, Mar. You get my point. <laughs> He hasn't played well enough to earn the right to have everybody call him by the right name. As someone that has him on a fantasy team, I would agree. Yeah, that's going poorly for you right now. But look, Fields, Watson, Stroud, and there's a bunch of others. Those are just the first three that kind of Bryce Young yesterday didn't look great either. Like a lot of these young quarterbacks that are being highly touted, some of them have come up and looked great and some of them haven't. You just look through kind of the list of options. Everyone was really hyped about all of those guys. At various points, none of them look right now, this second, like they're going to to be as incredible as everybody thought. Top five picks. Now, maybe they're, I mean, Bryce Young's been two games. I'm not down on Bryce Young necessarily. My point being, 
that there is a bit of a crapshoot even at the very top of the draft the moment you get there. Am I excited about Anthony Richardson? Yes. He's already hurt. Right? I mean, say what you want, but you look at Geno, and he's been really steady. Can you win a Super Bowl with him? I don't know. I know he's capable of getting this team to the playoffs. I know that because I've seen it and because I just watch him with my own eyes. I see a playoff quarterback. I know he's capable of bouncing back. Also, just huge, right? Bouncing back from a bad game, bouncing back from a dumb penalty, bouncing back from a dumb sack that he took on his own and finding a way to march down the field in overtime, including some huge convert. Like, I know he's capable of it because I've seen it. And by the way, this past week against a pretty good defense. So I I know that he can get this team to the playoffs. Can he elevate people around him enough to get them to a Super Bowl? I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know whether he's close enough to that to make it not worth drafting somebody in the draft next year. And then I'll throw one more at you, and we're way too early to answer this question. But are they talented enough? Let's say they make the playoffs this year. Let's say they win one playoff game this year. Okay, lose the next round. Do you feel comfortable enough with your roster as it's developing to use a first-round pick on a quarterback and not play him the next year? Because that's kind of the state you might be in with Geno, where, yeah, you do still trust him, but are you going to trust him enough to add and not draft another quarterback if a Penix or somebody like that is available late in the first round? Maybe it won't be. I don't know. We'll wait and find out. But you get kind of understand the thought process sure. here. Yeah. These are huge, huge questions for the Seahawks this year. And a lot of them, I think, are going to be determined by how Geno plays over the course of the next 15 plus and, you know, how the rest of the roster looks and where you're going to have some of those needs heading into next season. So Faith added some weapons for him this year, right? They like, sure I, did. I know the tackles are out, but I think part of it will be, are you are we going to see Jackson Smith and Jigba take off? Are we going to see you? Like, I just think he's got a lot to work with, and you want to see a little more than we did last year. Well, I want to see what I saw on Sunday, right? Like, that was better than we saw last year. What we saw in week one was not. What we saw in week two, I think, was significantly. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a quarterback. I mean, literally, if it was just that in a vacuum, that's a guy who can take you to a Super Bowl. Well, then to put a bow on it, where is your faith right now with Geno Smith? I wish I had more and I, and it's on me like I don't I should have more faith than I do. I don't have a good reason for telling you that I don't quite have enough faith right now, but I'm absolutely open. I, I have enough faith to be open to being converted. You had more than you did last week. I have more than I did a week ago. That's for <laughs> darn sure. All right, let's come right back. Give you everything you need to know, including a mammoth shot from an unexpected source. You'll hear it coming up next on Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710 salesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. A combined shutout started by your fifth starter and with only one leverage reliever used out of the pen. Yeah, that is exactly what the doctor ordered, and it's what he delivered last night. Brian Wu did throw a lot of pitches early, so he wasn't able to go too deep into the game, but he made it through five unscathed and just let the offense take care of the rest. Jose Caballero with a swing and a drive. Deep to left field. Going and going and goodbye baseball. Jose Caballero just clobbers one out of the ballpark to straightaway left field. His fourth home run of the season with Dylan Moore aboard. 
And it's now the Mariners three and the A's nothing. I love right, right-handed swings. I do. I don't. I know that most people probably feel the other way, and certainly here in Seattle, there's a lot of reasons to say that the left-handed power swing, certainly juniors, is unbelievably pretty. But there's something about when a right-hander connects to left field. Maybe it's just being right-handed myself that I can't really identify with, but want to be able to identify with. And that ball was absolutely torched by Caballero. Like he got every ounce of it that ball. That that, that, it did. It had the look. It had the sound. Left fielder didn't even turn around. That's exactly uh, the kind of home run I love to see. And it was good to see the rest of this one as well. Luis Torrens driving in a run. He had that little right center swing going later. It ended up being a, a line out, but it was a nice swing. Gino took a couple of walks in addition to a few hits. He got himself going as well. So, yeah, that's kind of what you need to see and get that offense feeling good. Real important. I think both he and Teo um, take a lot of responsibility middle of the order guys they know they need to produce but at the end of the day yeah you can't get too big up there you can't be trying to hit every pitch and then i talked to Taylor a little bit about tonight i talked to gino before the game like you could only do so much you can only control your at bat and that's the big thing of that is when those guys are swinging at the right pitches they're really tough to get out and they need to get back into that mode and because that's when they're at their best now, good win. Crazy night in the playoff race. Rangers bullpen blew another one. Rob Ref Snyder came up big against Will Smith. So they fall 4-2 at home to Boston. They did get Josh Young and Adolis Garcia back, however. Astros looked like they were going to win until their bullpen blew it as well in the ninth. A three-run shot from Cedric Mullins made it 8-7 Orioles. That's how it would end. So they lose. Blue Jays off. So Mariners tied with the Rangers. Game and a half back at Houston. One game behind Toronto. 12 to go. Luis Castillo in Oakland tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. Full speed Jamal Adams. Pete Carroll wouldn't commit to seeing him in a game just yet, but he did say he'd be a full participant this week. Jamal's going to be going full speed this week. Uh, this will be. This is the week that we've been counting on to really cut him loose. And so whether or not uh, he plays or not, it, it could be another week uh, from now, and, and we'll see how he goes. But this is it's, it's exciting to see him. He had a great week last week. Uh, this will be even better, and uh, we'll be prepping for maybe that next week. Well, that'd be fun. He was also pretty encouraging on the status of Tariq Woolen, though he said DK Metcalf's going to be pretty sore this week as well. Pete, certainly a lot happier with how his team played. I, You know what? I'm not going to play any more sound, but listen to the interview coming up here in 10 minutes. You will hear a Pete Carroll take even more responsibility for what went wrong in week one and explain a little bit how they got it back heading into week two. Now uh, they will have a third week. Yes, it continues after this. Carolina coming to town on Sunday. And guess what? We got a little sneak preview last night. Here's the third thing you need to know. Yeah, and it wasn't particularly pretty either, but it was the uh, first Monday Night Football doubleheader of the year. Credit to the Saints. They get to 2-0, and they beat the Panthers. Carolina, as I said, will be here on Sunday. I would say that that offense looked not great. Defense, however, they still got some dudes over there that you better take seriously, so it should be an interesting matchup. It was not a very pretty start for Bryce Young. Steelers beat the Browns in a physical battle, but it's probably going to be remembered for the ugly injury to Nick Chubb. No, thank you. And then watching Deshaun Watson completely melt down. 22 of 40, three turnovers, two 15-yard penalties, and what should have been an ejection for pushing an official. Yeah, good thing that contract's fully guaranteed. Nice job. Things do not seem to be getting much better 
better in Denver either. The Broncos still struggling to get plays run on time. Sean Payton doesn't sound like he's got a lot of patience. We're, we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean, that's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. we got to be better, and uh, I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with, with getting it, getting the play out, and then we got to look at how much we have in. But, um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. Oh, that's a, that's a burn. If, if you want me to send you to your room, I will. <laughs> right. That's everything you need to know. I think Russ is going to wear it at his press conference today. Like I hope so. Year. Yeah, I don't mind wearing a wristband. It's totally fine. Yeah, it's all fine. But I know the place. It's all good. Dr. Shin. Right. He actually <laughs> tattooed them in the inside of my arm. That is, uh, that's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Yeah, we'll come back to that sound. We're going to do a little around the NFL later today as well, because it's one of a bunch of really good pieces of sound from around this league. Um, all right. Let me uh, jump out of the way here and bring you guys Pete Carroll, because... I thought Pete was kind of at his best yesterday and a lot of the fears from week one that he just didn't seem right afterwards, that nobody did, that there was a level of frustration and almost anger that seemed as bad as the game was almost outsized compared to it. Well, we got to learn a little bit more about it yesterday. Stick around. You'll hear it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. The Pete Carroll Show. The first word from the Seahawks head coach every Monday at 9.30 with Brock and Saul. That's exactly what you want! Presented by the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook and Top Fitness. Coach, that was a little better, huh? Good morning. Yeah, that was way better. That was way better, man. What a what a uh, big day for us. We had a freaking blast. Man. How much better was it? It's way, 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 way better. Um <laughs> You just needed a birthday. Just, I mean, that just was all, forget, all you just needed. Just forget what happened uh, the, other, the other time. We, but we had this chance with so many elements to this thing that, that made this a, a special opportunity um, because of all the buildup and because of their their success and their hype and their and and their win, uh, you know, the big win on the road and all that kind of stuff. All of those things. And and uh, you know, we're at the other end of the spectrum of it going into this thing with everything to gain, and um, and our guys totally responded i mean the effort throughout the day all phases the um the belief that we we're going to win the game throughout all phases no matter what because there was this game kept going back and forth and they were they responded really well a number of times in the game it could have you know we could have lost our edge or discouraged or whatever that didn't even that didn't even enter anybody's mind and so the fact that we were able to finish the game and then we then we hold them to kick the field goal so that we can get the ball and, and Drew wins the freaking toss huge you know huge and then Gino just takes us right down the field and the guys come through in, in magnificent fashion so it was there was a tremendous amount to take from that game for us and and uh, I think we saw ourselves in, in very clearly and that's, that was really really important for us. I am trying to remember where over the all these years where you can clearly see how a Wednesday led to a Sunday victory. And I know and I've heard it a ton from coaches and it, it's Sundays in the NFL. It's, it's Saturdays in college football. But, yeah, we see the game, but you don't see the Wednesday or the Thursday or the Friday. And we don't often hear about it. And the media is not allowed to watch it. But in this case, it sure seems like Bobby's talk on Wednesday, which was publicized, which they did talk about in the game, which you talked about after the game, sure feels like in some ways, even with all the swings yesterday, this one was one on Wednesday. Is that a fair assessment? I don't know if it was one on Wednesday, but I, I do know that, that that what I want Bobby 
to receive that that credit, not because he needs that, but just because it was the moment of truth that was spoken and they heard it, you know, and, and, and they responded. I, I can't tell you guys, it was an immediate response. As soon as he broke, broke that huddle and we went into stretch lines, the place lit up just like it always does. And we had not, Bobby and I talked about it. We, we hadn't felt that like that was going to happen until that moment. And so, um, that's that just started us back. I, I, let's let's say this: that we have been pretty good over the years of coming back mm-hmm. and bouncing back, and we have a real format, and we have a mentality, and, a, and teachings, and all that stuff that I would like to think helps us return to focus, regardless of what just happened. And and that was one of those examples and opportunities again that we're going to need. <laughs> you know, we're going to we're going to need it again. There's a there's a whole way of approaching it, and and Bobby could feel that they didn't they didn't understand that yet. They hadn't g- gained you know. Hadn't had enough happen to this young team, and and so he he snapped their neck around, you know, and and uh, with what he said, and and it was awesome to watch, and and it carried all the way through the whole game. What's Salk, it's basically what, Salk, it's basically what you felt with KJ on Wednesday. Yeah, that intensity. <laughs> yes. Well, when KJ all of a sudden like nice guy KJ, he started getting those eyes. I was like, oh man, that's a different version of KJ. I realized that I was. Playing. Was he bouncing back with us? Was he showing you how, how we KJ, No, he was upset about something another coach in the oh. league had said, and okay. he was defending someone. But anyway, how, what is the key? You, you mentioned uh, that you've been pretty good about coming back and that you got a, a system almost in place for how to come back after a loss. What's the key to that? Well, it, it's all, I think, I, I, what I'm trying to, to promote is that it's the whole buildup of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and dealing with the success or the failure of the weekend and then putting it in a place where it's not going to affect what happens next. And there's a discipline and there's a skill to that that, that you, I, I teach it and, and I, we can learn it. And it just helps us, you know, take the next step, and, which is what's no, so necessary. Take the next step with the focus that it's called on. And it has nothing to do with the opponent or the one or the loss or what happened the week before. It has to do with returning to the essence of what makes this game work, and that's the fundamentals and the basics and the attitude and approach. And, and so, you know, we've been teaching it for a long time, and, and uh, it's – I love – I loved this opportunity because it was going to challenge it so much. You know, I mean, this was the max. They couldn't have been higher. It couldn't have been harder. It couldn't have been louder. It couldn't have been any of that. They were healthy. They were everything. They, they, they had what they needed. And, uh, and I was, in one regard, hoping that it would be hard on them because there was so much hype. I couldn't do anything about that. But what I could do is, is get our guys ready to understand how to, how to do our thing right. And so, um, and, you know, that's, that's why we're so fortunate to have Bobby and he, he and Tyler and the guys that, that – and Gino and the guys that send the message, they're all, they know. They've been there before and they understand and they were great about it. What makes Gino, from your perspective, such a tremendous thrower? God, he's he's so pretty. He, he had a great game and he, 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 he performed so well after the coming out of the first game. I mean, he came right back to exactly what we've been talking about. I've been telling you the whole offseason, he's looked phenomenal and he's been in charge and he's been in, in, in a physical connection with his with his body to throw and catch and to move and run and all that stuff. And uh, he just did he just did what he's been doing. And the first week he didn't come out like that. And the, whatever. I don't care about that anymore. But you got to see 
who we got on our team, and he played a fantastic game. Think of that, all the stuff that went back and forth and all that, and then and now just before OT he gets sacked for you know, a crazy 17-yard sack, whatever it was, and he comes right back, bang, 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 bang. We're down the field nine plays and win the game. Yeah, his ability to bounce back from adversity was pretty impressive, um, some of which, yeah, he created for himself. I can't believe how ridiculous it was that he would take an intentional grounding penalty like that. Did he not know what was going on? Yeah, yeah, we're still working on that one, fellas. What was that? You know, the rule reads, the first line of the rule in the rule book says that the quarterback must be under duress. I mean, end of story, you know. Okay, so I brought out my best Leo DeRocher uh, on the sidelines. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't the word intentional be somewhere into that penalty as well? I mean, it's an intentional grounding penalty, right? Um, Doesn't have to be some level of intent. But when you really think about that, that's really hard for these guys to to judge that. How do they they know? Would they judge because the coach's reaction on the sidelines that he blew the route, Mm. you know, or he blew the throw? You know, they they would have to gauge that some. That's not something the eye in the sky ref can help or like sort of that the voices that they're able to I'm really curious about that. I'm really curious Mm -hmm. about the help. And I asked about it. Did did we get help from upstairs because there was a delay there? And, And then they make the call and all that. I was just curious about what, what the interaction was because once whoever the eye in the sky is, whatever that mystical whatever place, you know, up in the clouds or something, looks down and sees sees, wait a minute, okay, you you're working through this this call. There's nobody near the quarterback. It was obvious. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have been more obvious. So I don't know I don't know how that happened like that. I don't know how they missed it so bad. But what did he do after that? I mean, Gino comes oh, down no, no, second no. and 20, and bang, scramble, bang, scramble. That gets called back, and then he hits Tyler on the third uh, and 10, whatever it was. It was just one after another after another after another that, that really demonstrated what a great performance that really was. Right, well, you that's ever, a good, yeah, go ahead, Brock. You ever uh, strap on that catapult? They ever put that on you, Pete, to measure your mileage, to measure your acceleration, <laughs> to measure yeah. your heart rate and output? Will no, you ever let calm. him do that? I was calm. What are you talking about? In that moment? I thought Gino was going to give you the same thing he gave to him last year. <laughs> no, I was bad. I got this coach working. There was time. There was time. That I was trying. I was buying time for them to take a look at it because it was so obviously off. You know, I didn't. I don't know. All right. Let's play you some Raves. You know, this is as good. Yeah, let's hear as, Raves. As, this is the one you need. This is the walk-off winner. Here was Raves. And with a little help from Wyman, this was uh, how it all ended yesterday. Gino from the shotgun with Walker beside him. Three wide receivers in the game. Gino. Is looking, looking. Now he throws far side. It's locking. Does he reach the ball across? He does. Yeah. It's over, yes. baby. Touchdown, Seahawks. Tyler Lockett on a little pass out into the right side flat. Reaches the ball across the pylon. He scores. They're going to check to be sure. But all you got to do is get the ball across the top of the pylon. And he touches it. And that is good for a first down. Knee out of bounds. Tyler Lockett, my hero. Game over. Seahawks win 37 to 31. All right, so there's a lot going on there in that call. Yeah. His hero, Tyler Lockett. Why isn't he more people's hero? I don't know. He's mine. How is he possibly still as underrated as he is? I don't know. What a phenomenal game he had. Golly, the other touchdown pass is a great catch. But and he he makes it work so that he stays in bounds as well. Uh, the first down out route that he, uh, that, he that he makes, you know, on, on the great little wiggle that he's been working on, and and uh, he just continues to do great stuff. He's a phenomenal competitor. Can I can I follow up on that? When you say a great little wiggle that he's been working on, is that to say 
that a wide receiver like Tyler will work on something in particular for that move on that route oh, sure. and then bring it out in that moment well, on a third and ten? What Tyler matters. is famous for in our world is him executing things exactly like he practices it. He 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 masters what he's doing, how it fits for the the uh, whatever the concept is. But he, it, it looks exactly like it's supposed to in the game. Usually there's a deterioration. You know, the guys don't quite get all the distance, and they don't quite get their feet exactly the way they want it. They turn a little earlier. He is not that guy. He will max out every detail of, of the concept that he's trying to execute, regardless of the situation, how deep into the game or how, you know, how crucial it is. He's phenomenal. That's why, that's why I have so much respect for him, because he can do it exactly like he prepares it, and he did, he did it again. You want to hear a fun number, Pete? I've rattled a few different times this morning. Through two games, the Seattle Seahawks are third in the NFL, allowing 2.9 yards per rush. There you go. That's there the Rams. That's McVay. That's his run system. That's Gibbs and Montgomery, two absolute horses behind one of the better esteemed offensive lines in the league. What are the guys doing, from your perspective, to be third best in all the NFL, 2.9 yards per rush allowed? You, you have to give uh, Clint a lot of credit here. He has set his sights on making this happen, and uh, and with the emphasis and, and structure of what we're doing, the call, it's, it's the subtlety of the calls, but it's the discipline that it takes. This is such a hard thing to do without discipline. You, they have to be so strict. It's not just hard, you know, tough guys throwing guys on the, uh, you know, to the side and making tackles. It's everybody fitting together, and that's an orchestration that he's responsible for. Now, uh, you've got some terrific guys now. It starts with uh, Jay Reed right in the middle. You know, it starts with him. He's, he's a tremendous technique, uh, tactical player, and, and so he starts the whole it it works out from the, from him and then Bobby and, and Jay Brooks and the guys doing their thing on 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 uh, Chenna uh, so disciplined on the edge and so aggressive it's all of that, that that makes it happen and then it comes down to the DBs cleaning it up so uh, it's it's a full commitment that we had lost a little bit of uh, emphasis in in the last couple of years and and we're back to it and so this is something we we should be able to continue uh, because we're not changing what we're doing we're going to keep working it it'll it'll pay off for us in the long run. What kind of game did Devin Witherspoon have? Spoon did good. He did, he did really well. Uh, he, you know, he got whipped on the freaking flea flicker thing. You know, it's too bad. And he, you know, we wish the safety could have helped him, but he got smoked on it. And, and uh, <laughs> but he he was really close on a, on a number of other routes. I thought that the pi that he got was there was the happening that the receiver broke down right. He settled and the receiver broke down right into him, and he just kind of caught it, and that was it. You know, he he caught that the guy ran into him, and and that they called the penalty. Said he bear hugged him, you know, and uh, so um, I, I thought that was a really good play, and so we lose one there. But uh, he had a good win on on the fourth down play, and and he was he had a terrific tackle early in the game. It was an excellent play of, of of a really good guy not letting a really good ball player get away from him. And I, I was I was really impressed with that, and I thought that stood out that he came through and made that tackle for like a one or two yard gain. He brings some of that energy that you've talked about, and I, I want to follow up here with some of these injury updates and we'll ask about Jamal and about Reek, etc. But you know, one of the things we'd heard constantly about, about Witherspoon is how he brings some of that extra energy and edge. Did you guys feel that? Uh, yeah, he fit right in. Um, I don't, nothing really jumped out in particular, but I know who he is now. We've been around him enough, and he does, he has something to add. Uh, he's a feisty, ferocious football player, and that's why he is what he is, and that's why he's, he's so special to us. He'll have more moments that we'll see, but, um, 
he, he was really comfortable with it. I asked him in the game, you know, in the probably end of the first quarter, how you doing? You know, I'm, you know, see any big smile? You know, it's easy. You know, is what he said, and, and uh, um, he felt very comfortable. You know, in his first outing. Right, wrong, and different. Oh, yeah, go ahead, before Mark. the injuries, I just yeah. want one last one because I think this is important for a lot of fans. I apologize. I like interrupting you, though. Um, right, wrong, and different, Pete, he's going to be compared and contrasted with Jalen Carter, the kid at number five that ended up going to Philly, not at six or at seven or at eight, but further down the line. But outside the building, there's going to be noise or comparisons to why, why a corner there versus, versus not. You were so steadfast that night. I remember you so vividly in, in the room next to us here where you were just like, hey, man, I saw Troy Polamalu. I know the difference that an elite, instinctive defensive back can make. I don't think people always understand that. Your background is defensive backs. Can you just speak to the impact that an elite, difference-making DB in this league can make? Well, they'll they'll add up. There'll be so many moments that will add up that we'll see him come through on. There's a really simple one, you know. When it's it's a uh, there's one second left to go in the half, and we make a call, and and Spoon knows what's going on, and he backs off and bails out to catch the deep ball, not let him throw the deep ball on him. And and on the other side, Trey Brown pressed it and put himself in a one-on-one, and, and sure enough, that ball went right up there, and it took a great play by Trey Brown to defend that play. But that, I know that doesn't seem like much, but he knew exactly the situation. You should never be pressing in a situation like that. One that you should be off and make it easy on yourself. And, and uh that's one. The tackle that he made, that one simple little tackle, the when he when he gets his feet tangled up, he's all over the fourth down run. He has another play that he makes. Uh, the 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 PI was not a bad play by him. That was an excellent play, and they'll just add up, and he'll just make the right choice at the right time. He'll he'll sense what's happening, and he'll take the opportunity to jump stuff because he'll he won't be guessing. He'll he'll know, and uh, it's it's that level of awareness that separates guys and, and gives them a chance to be great players and, and hopefully you know he, he'll have plenty of shots and he'll show us let's run through just a couple of these uh what do we know about Tariq Woolen this morning um I don't have any update on, on him other than it's not bad the, the first thing is it's not it's not a bad injury um they got to figure out how uncomfortable he is they they call it the SC I think it's SC joint yeah sorry I SC joint? I don't know if that's right. Is that from USC? Is that the AC joint? I I would have called it the Trojan joint. (laughs) All right, so there's some joint near his clavicle is what I'm I'm getting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What about uh, Charles Cross? What's an expectation for this? I don't have anything updated on that. I mean, it's just day-to-day. He's just got to get rid of the soreness and a little bit of swelling that you have in your big toe. It's it's bothersome. It's a a heart injury and uh, for a big man, too. So we'll have to see how he does uh, day-to-day. Do we have a shot to see Jamal this week? Uh, Jamal's going to be going full speed this week. Uh, this will be this is the week that we've been counting on to really cut him loose. And so whether or not uh, he plays or not, it, it could be another week uh, from now, and and we'll see how he goes. But this is it's it's exciting to see him. He had a great week last week. Uh, this will be even better, and uh, we'll be prepping for maybe that next week. And DK came through okay. Uh, he's sore. I, I haven't talked to him this morning, but I bet he had a hard time sleeping. He took a real shot and uh, uh, literally got back in that game just totally on guts. And, and I, you know, I, I was really proud of him and the way he performed in this game. He took a lot of heat last week, you know, from you know, the way things went and all. And he had to 
make a real conscious effort to make sure that he was focused and, and everything was all right in front of him. And he did a phenomenal job. And he was calm and poised. He was a freaking warrior in the, in the moment. And I, that's where I see him at his best. And I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that that's, that's going to be a continued uh, step that he takes and shows how he can elevate and, and really play a great football game. It's a great catch. The one on the goal line when he gets it smacked, that's a terrific play. I don't know how that wasn't a touchdown. I just wish they'd have given it to him for you know the hit he took and all. But uh, but coming back on the was it uh, was it the third down win we got uh, in, in the last drive? Yeah. You know, beautiful play, you know, and catch and route. The route was run again. If you look at the details of that route, that's what we're talking about. Like what Tyler always exemplifies. So yeah, he he, he did a great job. Pete, it felt like your two big tackles. You know, if last week against oh, the Rams. Oh, man, let's talk about those guys. Yeah, it felt like <laughs> if the Rams, you talked about some of the pass rush challenges because too often it was down the middle of guys. It felt like, to me, Stone and Curhan just stoned them down the middle. Like, he did, they just put their big old freaking frames right in front of those guys and would not give them leverage. Yeah, they. What a game those guys had! I was so proud of them and so fired up. There's a lot of heat, you know, and expectations and all that. It was somewhere late in the week, Thursday, Friday, or something like that. And I had the thought that these guys have been playing in games and they've done fine. Jake, Jake's on the film for me as we're watching the cut-ups from last year, and, and they're gonna be fine, you know. And, and holding a positive thought, no surprise. Uh, but to see them come through like that and, and, and to be so solid against a premier player, you know, Hutchinson, he had a great season last year and, and all the expectations that he could do whatever. He would have a, have a wild day at us and it just didn't happen. And, uh, I really fired up for those guys. I, I couldn't wait to hug those two guys up in the locker room and, and just jump all over them because of what they had come through with. Did you do anything special? Ahead of time for them? I mean, was there anything built in to get them ready differently? No. No, other than to make them know that we believe in them. And then uh, Shane did a great job with with the protections and the multiplicity of things that, that they had to rush against. The, the, you know, the, just a, a great array of things that, that, that we showed them kept them you know, at bay. And so uh, it gave, gave Gino a chance. We said early in the game, hey, we're, we're protecting these guys. you know, And we're, we're holding up fine right in the middle of the first quarter, you could tell, and hoping that it would sustain. Uh, but Gino had a great day in the pocket now. He was all over it. You mentioned the locker room. I wanted to play you cut 13 here uh, more if you could. I was curious if you were a big part of this celebration afterwards. Mm-hmm. Are you are you leading this chant at this point or is this no. Pete? That's not you in the in the blue ski mask leading the chant? No, that wasn't me. Okay. That was just fellas sure. having fun. Is that a pretty standard affair after uh, after a game? Whatever. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a total freelance <laughs> shot, you know, whatever comes up and uh <laughs> Ballor has to make sure and keep his his shorts on and stuff like that. He runs around in a jock at times like that, and right. so you, you know. Anyway, it's a those are the great moments in in in, in the game. It's the great moments that you share and you yes. spread around the joy and the fun and all that. And this meeting we'll have today at noontime will be a blast, you know, with the fellas. And uh, it's 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 the, the kind of the, the depth and the connection and the real experience that, that, that comes out there. So, so I hear you say all that, and I, and I hear you talk about this week and, and how different it was. How bad was last week? Because it, 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 I, I don't know. It feels like maybe you're talking about this a little differently than some other losses in the past. It, it sounds like maybe the, the I, difference I, yeah. between the two was even more extreme. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind saying that now. That it, it was, it was, it was that was distinctly different than I had anticipated. And uh, um, what I anticipated 
is what happened yesterday from these guys. And, and, uh, I, I just didn't, I, I went too far last week. I'll just say it. I went too far last week in, in living it up at the end of, at the very end of the week. And it just, it just changed. It was so, we were so freaking crazed going into the opener and, and had so much fun with the buildup of it. I just feel like I went too far hmm. and, and it just did, we didn't capture the essence of playing great football and it showed in the second half, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I was really pissed at myself <laughs> the whole week and, and uh, I thought that I could have done way better. So, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, and, uh, and by the, at the other end of the spectrum, I'm thrilled about what we just did. It was a major accomplishment for this football team to know who they are. And, uh, that's enormously powerful coach. Thank you. Okay. I got to hit the button. That was Pete Carroll, uh, who joined us yesterday, as he does, of course, every single Monday, generally, following a game. This is the Monday night game or Thursday night game. And I don't know what the heck we're going to do during Christmas this year because they play like Saturday and Friday. Like there's a whole bunch of weird Christmas games and stuff in there. So I don't know. We'll figure it all out. We got some time. Pete was, uh, I think, I think there's a lot in there, specifically at the end. This 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 difference from week one to week two was significant. That week one loss was worse than maybe I thought. Right? Oh yeah, and he took ownership of it and kind of wants to bury it. Yeah, it, he 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 was not happy about the way week one went, and I want to come back to that in some greater detail coming up here at uh, seven thirty this morning. Before we get there, Brock is in next. I think that there's some elements of where the Mariners are at right now that I could accept. There is one thing that I absolutely cannot. It's next on Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.